0: Today's Sunday sermon has been made possible by the members of Southside Christian Fellowship Church and listeners like you. Thank you so much for your continued prayerful and financial support of this ministry. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and how to get involved or simply want to give a gift, please just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net today.
1: Uh, The Lord really instructed me to do a couple of things and I haven't been real obedient to it. He's encouraged me to go and to study uh, the prophets and to go back through the prophets. And so I've gotten started on it. And I thought one of the most interesting things that uh, I found was that uh, Ezra was not the first prophet, but Ezra is the first when you begin to read the prophetic books. Ezra was the priest, and Ezra had realized that the temple slayed in, in ruins, and he wanted to rebuild the temple. And so he he went to, to Cyrus, the king, and he told Cyrus, the king, he said, you realize you were prophesied over 500 years ago that you would be the one that ha- would help reestablish the the temple in Jerusalem. And having seen that, King Cyrus sent him out to build it. Now, I want you to know he fell in opposition. How many of you realize you're going to find opposition when you begin to usher in the presence of the Holy Spirit and God comes and moves like God wants to? And so... If we want to stay in a religious format and a religious uh, attitude, we don't want to invite the Holy Spirit in because he messes things up when he comes in. Amen. He, 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 He thinks he's God and he gets to do what he wants to. And so what he did was, Ezra went in there and he found the temple laid in ruins. And anybody know what he did the first year? All he did the first year was built an altar and prayed and worshiped. The first year, all he did was prayed and worship. Before they laid a rock, before they did anything else, they began to worship. And so this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit about worship and the importance of worship and how, as a, a new Christian, I didn't understand that. I was, I was strictly a word person, meaning that I could skip all of the worship that was going on and just let me get to the word. I wanted to hear what it was all about. The problem with all of that is, is if you go back and see what happened with Jesus, Jesus came before the Pharisees, and when he came to see the Pharisees, he says, you think you're going to find me through studying and studying the book, but he said, I'm standing in front of you, and you don't even recognize me. And the reason they didn't recognize him is because they had lost the altar, and they had lost the worship, and they didn't understand what the Holy Spirit was going to do, what God the Father was going to do through Jesus Christ, and so they missed who he was. So as great as the word is, and I think it's the the best thing that's ever been put on the planet next to Jesus himself and the Holy Spirit, the book is so good, but without the worship, the book is locked up. And if you're going to unlock the book, you're going to unlock the book through worship, and worship is the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. Because you see, we can't worship in our flesh, we have to worship in our spirit, and the spirit that worships within us is the Holy Spirit. Everybody with me? Amen. Okay, so I want you to understand there uh, that uh, you're going to bring glory either to God or to the flesh and your enemy. You're going to bring glory to somebody. And, and we vacillate many times between bringing glory to God and bringing glory to our flesh. In other words, we exalt our flesh above the throne of God. And when we exalt our flesh above the throne of God, then the enemy is getting worshiped because he wants our flesh to worship him. Remember what he said to Jesus when he tempted him in the wilderness and he went to him and he said, just bow down before me. Just worship me and you won't have to go through this suffering. Just worship me and you won't be ridiculed. Just worship me and the opposition that you find won't be there. Now, I happen to believe that was all a lie, but that's what Satan was telling Jesus and Jesus flat said, "Uh uh-uh, that isn't happening. I will never worship you. And he didn't, and he lived without sin. And so when we bow before our flesh, we're bowing not before just human nature. We are bowing before our enemy because, you see, he's the one that has brought the perverse nature in with him through sin. Are you still with me? Amen. Okay, and so I want you to understand what you're going to do. your life, you're either going to glorify God or you're going to glorify yourself and the enemy, the enemy being number one. Amen. And so there is a dual worship battle going on in the earth right now. And if you don't think it's all about worship, Johnny sent me a, 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 a tape, and i or not a tape, but a video, and I got so excited when I was listening to it because it hit every note that I believe. And you know, when you hear something that you believe and you understand, you know they got to be right. <laughs> they got to be right. And, and so in this thing, he talked about it's all about worship. It's all about worship. We we get concerned with the mark of the beast. But let me tell you about the mark of the beast. It's not the mark of the beast that the beast is looking for. It's the worship that comes forth towards the beast that he's looking for. And in order to have the worship, he's got to have your heart. And your heart has to be aligned with your flesh. And your flesh has to be aligned with the enemy. And the enemy is aligned with Satan himself because that's how he is empowered. Amen. That's good preaching, Eddie. I like that good stuff. So there's a worship. There are two diametrically opposed worship uh, manifestations going on in the earth. There are a group of people that are going to worship God, and there are a group of people that are going to worship the enemy. And the choice is you. Who are you going to worship? And let me just let let, let you in on a little thing. A little ditty is not worship. Just because it gets your feet jumping and you're and you and you you're you're, you're Goosebumps rolling, that's not worship. We've tried to bring it down to something that it is not. What it is, it's a heart that is so attuned and committed to God that it can't help but let the words of love emanate forth in whatever form, whether it's in the form of a song, whether it's in the form of a shout, whether it's in the form of a groan, whether it's in the form of the dance, whether it's in the form of banging cymbals, it doesn't really make any difference. There is something inside of you that's got to come out and it's got to worship the Lord God most high. Amen. It may be tears, it may be, it may be anything, but it's something inside that has to burst out of you. That's what God's looking for, is He's looking for this people. This movement, this dual movement in the earth began at the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, when John went to heaven, we've been studying the book of Revelation. When John went to heaven, he saw a slain lamb a slain lamb, they called him the king of kings, the lion of the tribe of Judah, but John saw him as a lamb who had been slain before the foundation of the world, and that slain lamb was the one that came and took his rightful position by God the Father, and when he took his rightful position by God the Father, he took the scroll and he started opening the seals. They are not going to happen. They are happening from the very time he went to heaven to open them up. He is releasing justice in the earth. John cried because at first they couldn't find anyone worthy to open the seals. There is justice that's got to come in and on the earth. And it's not coming out of man. And the social gospel that elevates man to a position of authority is the wrong gospel. The gospel that's got to come forth is the one that elevates Jesus to the deity that he really is, which is God of all creation. Come on, give God praise. Give God praise. He is so wonderful. We've been studying Revelation 4 and 5, and if you had not spent any time in Revelation 4 and 5, go there. You might as well. It's a good visit. Just take a trip to heaven. Y'all think I'm kidding. You meditate on Revelation 4 and 5, and the next thing you'll find out, you'll be in the throne room of God. I love this thing because God goes into, I mean, because John goes into the throne room. And I can't remember how many times that word throne is mentioned, but do you know what there, what, what happens on the throne? The sovereign God rules and reigns. Now let me tell you something, and I'm going to tell you this because in a minute I'm going to get to why we need this worship movement. The Bible says all authority in heaven and on earth are have already been given to Jesus. We're, the church has been waiting for the authority to be given to Jesus. He already has the authority. He's looking for a people that will worship Him in spirit and in truth so that He can give that authority to Him that they might glorify Him. If you go back and listen to my message last Sunday, it's all about glorifying God. How do you glorify God? Is you look like Jesus. Let me just make one statement from last week and then I'm going to get to paragraph two. I haven't preached in a while. Y'all got a while? Amen. Amen. I said last week, John, uh, Jesus told Thomas, he said, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father. Why? Because that was the glory of Jesus to reveal the Father. Now let me ask you a very serious question. When the people in your community the people where you work the people where you shop the people where you where you where you do business if they've seen you have they seen Jesus that's the question because that's the way we glorify God is we glorify Jesus by looking like Jesus well Eddie Eddie, how can I look like Jesus? you got to wholly, totally surrender. Now let me tell you what the Apostle Paul said. Paul said, I no longer live. Whew. Hello, pride. Got to come to the altar. Hello, flesh. Got to be burnt up on the altar of God as a sweet-smelling incense going up to heaven hello comfort hello compromise hello intimidation hello fear hello spoiled brats oh i shouldn't have said that do you hear what i'm saying paul said i no longer live but christ lives in me what he was saying was, if you've seen me, you've seen Jesus, because I emulate the one that I worship. In Revelation 13 and 4, uh, excuse me, let me go back just a minute. In 4 and 5, what you'll see is that the throne is there, but you'll also see this magnificent worship scene. In chapter 4, there in Revelation chapter 4, they're worshiping God the Father. In Revelation chapter 5, they're worshiping Jesus the Son. It's a, it's, a cool, it's a cool paradigm when you begin to realize what's happening there. But what's happening is, is it's a glimpse into heaven. Now, you all know what's going on in heaven? You know what's going on in heaven? Worship. When we worship this morning, you know what? We got to join with the angels and we got to worship God. We got to join with the martyrs and we got to worship God. We got to join with the 4 and 20 elders and we got to worship God. And God's saying, I want you to join with heaven. Now, we pray the prayer. We pray the prayer, as it is in heaven, let it be on the earth. Now, that's kind of my paraphrase. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, what's going on in heaven? Well, there's no sickness, there's no disease. That's where we get hung up. Let me tell you what's going on in heaven. That's not what it says. It says in Revelation 4, and it says in Revelation 5, it said the seraphim and the cherubim in there, and they said that they cry out, holy, 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 and the four and twenty elders fall on their face, and they say, worthy is the Lamb, and then they come out, and they begin to worship Him and worship Him and worship Him and worship Him, and we say, let it be on earth as it is in heaven. Let the worship of heaven invade the earth. Amen. Come on, we need to be worshipers of the most. Most high God. We need to release everything that's within us. Dang, I am wound up. That's what's happening in Revelation 4 and 5. So if you want the kingdom on the earth, you better become a worshiper. Well, I'm just not a worshiper. Then you're going to hell. How you like that? I'm not the pastor anymore. Pastor Herman can clear all this stuff up. I can say what I want to now. <laughs> Revelation thirteen four and they worshiped the dragon. Who worshipped the dragon? The people that were on the earth that were not committed to the Most High God. And they worshipped the dragon, for he had given his authority to the beast, and they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast and who can fight against it? And the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty and blasphemous words, and it was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. It opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God, blaspheming his name and his dwelling, that is, those who dwell in heaven. Also, it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer. Them and authority was given it over every tribe and people and language and nation, and all who dwell on the earth will worship it. Everyone whose name has not been written before the foundation of the world in the book of life. Is your name in the book? You better make sure your name is in the book. Look what he said. He said, nobody will be able to fight against it. He said, the, the power and the authority, they will say, who can be greater than this beast? And so they will worship the beast. That means they will turn to the beast. They will, they will listen to the beast. They will submit to the beast. They will co- be committed to the beast. They will submit themselves. Well, not me. I'm not going to do that. Let me read this to you one more time it says it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. I don't know what that does to your theology, but it messes me up. Hell is going to be unleashed on the church, and for forty two months the church will suffer unparalleled persecution and the 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 dwelling of the martyrs the call of the martyrs will be fulfilled now your western my Western, lazy, laxadaisical, compromised gospel will not cut it. The Bible says that there's a shaking coming, and we look at the pandemic, and most of us had trouble getting through the pandemic. Most of us thought we were going to lose our minds over the pandemic. Can I tell you, that's not even a mosquito bite compared to what God says is going to take place in the last days. Amen. And so are you going to wait till the last days to get ready? You better be getting ready now. In other words, what I'm telling you is that this thing about church is serious business. It's not something you can come to on Sunday and play the game and listen to it and enter into it and get a little jingle and get a little joy in your feet and say, I'm going to make it through. It's saying, I am going to make a commitment to God regardless. I am fixing to commit to Him beyond anything that I've ever committed before in my life. Luke 18, 7, And will not God give justice to His elect who cry to Him day and night? Will He delay long over them? I, will t- I tell you, He will give justice to them speedily. nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? He says, I'm going to give him justice. In other words, that 42 months is going to seem like an eternity. But justice will come. And when justice comes, Satan will be put under your feet. But for 42 months, you've got to be willing to endure the suffering without letting go of the King of kings and the Lord of glories. And realize he's still sitting on the throne. We get upset when things don't go right in our life. We ought to be using them. We ought not ever let a wilderness experience pass that we don't get something out of. We ought not let anything bad happen in our life that we don't grow stronger in Christ because you're going through. You're not going to stay in the midst of your problems. You're not going to stay in the midst of the circumstances. God is carrying you through and the Holy Spirit is with you all the way. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Come on, give God praise. Though they throw you in jail, Though they persecute you, our God rules and our God reigns. Come on, give God praise in this place. Hallelujah. Woo. God rules. God said if you cry out day and night, what is he talking about? Worship. He's talking about a worship that emanates forth out of us no matter what we're doing, no matter where we are. I don't care if you're on the golf course. I don't care if you're in the airplane. I don't care if you're digging ditches. I don't care what you're doing. There is worship that's going on because you recognize that the God of glory is within you and that your job in the earth is to glorify the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I had this old friend one time came up with the dumbest bumper sticker I ever saw. It was called D-I-G-G, dig. The only problem was I didn't have enough sense to know what Ken was talking about. He was absolutely right. Does it glorify God? God. Does it glorify God? Is your life glorifying God? Or are you consumed with the American dream of, man, I'm going to work till I can get into retirement, and then I'm going to play golf the rest of my life, and I'm going to enjoy myself, and I'm going to do whatever I can do to have all the joy that I can bring. I'm going to consume the world on myself so that I can be exalted, and I can be happy, and I can be filled with joy, and it doesn't make any difference. Everybody else can go to hell. It doesn't bother me. I'm going to be me. See, that comes right from the beast mentality. I was talking to somebody about my daddy the other day, and if I start crying, y'all just, it'll be okay, all right? I miss him. I was talking about my daddy, and he was, daddy was married four times, never divorced, outlived three of them, finally got one that made it past him. The last one was Dottie Welch. Many of you know Dottie. Most of you know Dottie. Dottie was beginning to move in some dementia. And this mind wasn't as sharp as it should be. And I talked to Daddy, and I said, Daddy, I said, are you sure you want to do this? He said, I'm sure. I said, you know that most everything's going to fall on you. He said, I know. Then he he said to me something I never will forget. He said, Eddie, he said, I've done a lot of things for the Lord. He said, but I've been called to serve. And I will serve Dottie for the Lord for the rest of my life. And let me tell you something. He lived up to that commitment. He served that woman until he literally could not move And he went to be with the Lord. Why did he do that? Well, I tell you because he didn't want to be alone. But let me tell you the truth. My daddy wanted his life to count. He wanted to glorify God. And the only way he knew at that point in time in his life, the only way he knew to glorify God was to serve other people. Hmm. I think he was right, don't you? Who are you serving? Who are you serving? Let, let, me, let me give you a definition of worship. I'm a little far into this now, but it doesn't make any difference. Webster says that worship is a form of religious practice with its creeds and rituals. And unfortunately, that's what the church has reduced worship to. Can I tell you, Webster is absolutely 100% wrong. If it's nothing but a ritual and a form without substance, it is absolutely not transformative. And if it's not transformative, it's not worship. It's not worship. Let me read the second definition to you, which I think is pretty much, or a lot better. Extravagant respect. Extravagant respect. Boy, that word, you got to think about that word, extravagant. When you begin to think about extravagant, that means to heap something up over and over and over. And it's a respect that's an uncontained respect that continues to grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. And your love for God continues to grow and grow and grow. And, grow. and your respect for God grows and grows and grows. And the revelation of God grows and grows and grows. And you can't hardly contain it because you respect God so much. You respect the sacrifice that Jesus made on Calvary's cross. That when you look at that blood and that bread, you can't help but weep because you know the Savior, the Son of the Most High God. God Himself came down, took human form, was confined to the womb of a woman, took on flesh, and walked for us. And you talk about respect. I remember when Kennedy was assassinated. I remember the horse with the boot turned backwards and the carriage. And I remembered the, the streets were lined and the salutes, the acknowledgement, the reverence and the respect that took place. And I'm watching it on television, but it was eerie how respectful it was. If we can respect a man because he was murdered, how much more can we respect our Christ who voluntarily laid down his life on our behalf? Why shouldn't we line the streets and bow before him and cast our worship and crowns at his feet? Come on, give God glory. Just give God glory. He is worthy, extravagant. Extravagant respect and admiration. Extravagant devotion. It doesn't make any sense. The devotion to a man, it doesn't make any sense. How can you be so committed to something you can't see? I might not can see him, but I can feel him. I know he's here. I've had revelation. I've had dreams. I've had visions. I've had words. I know my God lives. Amen? And so... I tell you, I am going to, I am going to to worship Him. I'm going to commit to Him. I'm going to submit to Him. I'm going to be devoted to Him. I am going to love God with everything that's within me. How about you? Come on, give God our praise. Now let me tell you how you can, let me tell you how you can get off track. You can worship objects too. And, And the thing that I can tell you most of all that I've learned in the last two years is God absolutely abhors He Hates idolatry. Well, Eddie, we don't have idols. If you worship money, that's an idol. If you worship comfort, that's an idol. Am I making sense to you? We begin to worship stuff. Well, how do you know you're worshiping stuff? Because we begin to get our identity from our stuff. It's funny, isn't it? Our identity comes from the kind of car we drive. Our identity comes from the kind of house we live in. Pastor Herman, you may have to do some repairing after this. (laughs) Our identity comes from how much gold we wear on our fingers. Our identity comes from, do we have the name brand on our pants? Our identity comes from $300 $300 tennis shoes. Our identity comes from other things. But no, we don't have idols. Anything we put ahead of our submission to the creator and his son is idolatry. Eddie, you mean we can't have nice things? As long as you can give it away, you can have it. Let me say that one more time. As long as you can give it away, you can have it. As long as you own it and it doesn't own you, I don't care what you have. You can have the biggest house, the best car, I don't care. But when God says give it away, you better stick the keys in it and hand it to somebody else. It's not yours. It belongs to the Most High God. Am I making sense to you today? I'm talking about, I am talking about extravagant Devotion. I'm talking about a submission that we haven't gotten to. I'll be honest with you, I'm not there in my life yet, but I know one thing, that's where I've got to get to. I cannot enjoy God until I am completely submitted to him. And sometimes that ain't easy. Excuse my word, ain't. I apologize, baby. I want you to know you were created to worship. You were created to submit. You were created to be a follower of the Most High God. In John 4.23 it said, But the hour is coming and now is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You see, you can lie to everybody around you. You can pretend to everybody around you, but you know who you are. I know who I am. I know the parts of me that I'm holding on to, and I know the parts that I've surrendered. And I know the parts that I don't want God interfering with, and I know the parts that I don't want God to take over completely. Most of the stuff I'm holding on to makes me happy, and most of the stuff I want to let go of makes me miserable. Oh, come on, don't look at me so holy. You know what I'm talking about. And so, but I want to worship him in spirit and truth. I want the Holy Spirit. I want to engage him. I don't want to come to worship and just sing the song. I want my spirit to engage with the Holy Spirit so that we can magnify the King of glory, so that his name is high and lifted up, so that he is exalted above all others. Come on. Come on. 1 Peter 2 9 says, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. For what reason? That you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Why are you chosen? You're chosen to be worshippers. Why are you a royal priesthood? Because you know how to bow before the throne. Why are you set apart? Because you are the ones that have been called to glorify Jesus in the earth. You are the one that have been called to bring light into dark places. You're the one that's been called to bring life where there's death. You're the one that's called to bring healing where there's sickness. You're the one that's called to bring joy where there is defeat you're the one that says that we are overcomers and you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony you overcome because jesus christ died for you you overcome because the blood of the lamb is here you overcome because you know who sits on the throne and he has not abdicated that throne wow Worshipping is about unwavering faith. Let me say that one more time. Worship is about unwavering faith. You can't be wishy-washy and be a worshiper of God. He either is God or he's not God. You're either going to follow him or you're going to follow your flesh. You're either going to submit to him or you're going to submit to the world. You're either going to be in the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the beast. Well, Andy, that's not on the earth. It is. The antichrist spirit, the, the beginning of the beast kingdoms, have already started. They've been on the earth since Jesus was crucified. All you got to do is go back and, and... They're not in the full measure that they're going to be, and I understand that, but you understand that every antichrist spirit... Can I tell you something? When you say that there's neither male nor female in the, in the world, when you're not born that way, you're standing and taking a position against God Himself. Because God said He created you male or He created you female. When we don't take those positions, we are blaspheming our God, and we're taking the position of the beast kingdom that's trying to pervert everything in the earth, and we're saying, I know who I am. My God does not make mistakes. Amen? Amen. Come on, give God glory. Give God glory. Unwavering faith, glorifying God while we're on the earth. I don't know how long we've got. I don't know when Jesus is going to return. We keep talking about the end times, the end times, the end times. Well, it may be the end times. It may be the beginning of end times. It started the end times, the day he rose from the dead and went up into the to the heavenlies and seated himself at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. We've been in the end days for a little over 2,000 years, but it doesn't make any difference. My job is still the same. My job is to glorify God. My God. My job is to worship the Most High God. My job is to make the angels sound bad. Let me be real honest with you. God would rather hear your voice than an angel's voice any day. Because you voluntarily are worshiping him. He wants to hear you worship him. We can no longer afford to walk in a victim mentality. We can't, we can't look at the things that are happening to us. You've not been called to be a victim. You've been called to be a victor. If you're in the midst of crisis, you're going through the crisis. If you're in the midst of the worst thing that's ever happened in your life, you're going through. And if you can't get through by yourself, you've got a family in the church of God and you need to grab hold of them and say, we're going through together. And I'm going to hold on to you. I may go kicking and screaming, but we're going to the other side. We're going to overcome because God is overcome and he who overcomes the world is born of god i don't know about you but my name is written in the lamb's book of life i'm born of god i will overcome according to the word of god amen you can't be a victim well woe is me everything happens to me woe is me this this person doesn't like me this person this person has made my life a living hell this person this person this circumstance this situation you just don't know do like my mama said, well, why don't you just go eat worms and die? (laughs) Your life ain't worth nothing anyway. By the way, I'm not bragging on me. I just want you to know how true God's word is. Last week, I told you that there were some people that that were suffering under depression. And one of them was even committing suicide. I got a call from that person Monday. And told me they had to hide their guns because they wanted to kill themselves. Our God knows what's going on in your life. And if you'll quit saying I'm a victim and start saying I'm a victor. If you'll begin to realize that you're an overcomer and not an underachiever. That you're above and not beneath. That you've been called to sit in places on high and not low on the earth. If you'll get out of your dang pity party. Pastor Herman, you get to preach again. Pity party, pity party, pity party. I've had plenty of those. We will worship God in the good times and the bad times. Song of Solomon says, Awake, O north wind, and come, O south wind, blow upon my garden. Let its spices flow. Let my beloved come to his garden and eat the choicest fruits what what song of solomon what solomon was saying he said no matter what comes whether it's harsh winds or whether they're sweet winds i'm going to worship god and i'm inviting jesus to come partake of my worship that it will be an ever ever flavorful essence that's emanating out of me because of my love for him not according to the circumstances that are going on in my life i'm going to worship my god i'm going to worship my god good or bad Now, I don't suggest you pray that. I prayed that. It took me five years to get to the other side. Read you one more scripture, and then I want to bless you. Colossians 121, and you who who once were alien and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, put your hand right here and say, that was me. That was me. That way you can't point any fingers. That was me. You were doing evil deeds. He said, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Wow. Wow. I don't know about you, but they keep talking about going before the throne of God. The only way I'm going before the throne of God is wrapped in the blood of Jesus. Because Eddie can't make it through. But Jesus said, I will present you holy and blameless. How can he present you blameless? Because of the cross. You will be presented blameless. You don't have to fear the judgment of God. Not if you've got Jesus. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable, steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. He said, you've got to stay steadfast. You've got to be an overcomer. The whole book of Revelation teaches one thing, overcome. We are, we are not in the midst of the outpouring of, of the tribulation time, but we, we've got hard times. Your hard times, my hard times, they're different, but they could get worse. But it doesn't make any difference. The thing is, if we're not prepared to go through then we're going to succumb, and when we succumb to the circumstances, we will be buried by our emotions, by our feelings, and by our pity for ourselves. God says, hold true. John said he sits on a throne, and above the throne... There's an emerald rainbow, and that emerald rainbow speaks of the covenant, the glorious covenant of grace and mercy that he has with you. And he said there are peals of thunder and lightning speaking to the power that our God holds and contains. He said there is a, a crystal sea that lays out before the throne of God. Every disturbance on the earth will be put under his feet, and everything in the earth will be at peace. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. One last point. Only one way you're going to make it through this life for real and be a worshiper. That's to be born again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. The time of the infilling and indwelling of the Holy Spirit is upon us. It's not a matter of do you want it, you need it. You need to be overflowing. And as as Rudine used to say, you've leaked, you need to get some more. Was that scriptural? in the second chapter of Acts, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. In the fourth chapter of Acts, those same people were filled with the Holy Spirit. If you go on, they were filled again. You can get filled over and over and over again. Let me read this to you. Stand to your feet. I'm going to read this psalm over you and I'm going to close. I lift up my eyes to the hills from where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let my foot be moved. He who keeps me will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps the church will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is our keeper. The Lord is our shade on our right hand. The sun shall not strike us by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep us from all evil. He will keep our life. The Lord will keep our going out and our coming in from this time forth forevermore. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Come on, give him praise in this house. Just give him praise. Come on, God, you're worthy. You're worthy to be praised and glorified. Out of the very midst of who we are, we worship you. We praise you. God, glory, glory.
0: You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you're loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you.
1: May the Lord bless and keep you that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. That the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.